Welcome to the Entre Pastors Podcast. This show helps pastors think, act, and thrive as prosperous entrepreneurs. And now, here are your hosts, Les Hughes and John Sanders. Well, hello everybody and welcome back to another episode of the Entre Pastors Podcast. My name is John Sanders. I am one of the co-founders of Entre Pastors as well as a co-host to the show. And uh, with me this week, unfortunately, is not my fellow co-host and friend, Les Hughes. I'm flying solo this week in the studio. A little bit of scary news, but also a big praise report right behind it. For those of you that are in our Entre Pastors community, whether you're just in our free Facebook group, which if you're not, you should be there, Entre Pastors Connect, or maybe you're in our one of our paid membership communities, our Pastors Business Alliance, or our Pastors Entre Pastors Business Builders, or even our Mastermind. We've got a couple different levels there. But if you're in one of those communities, you've likely heard the news that this past week, as I'm recording this, uh, Les suffered a stroke, which um, we were pretty startled to hear that. Uh, but here's the good news, and what we're super grateful for is that Les is doing really well. He had a pretty good uh, prognosis in the aftermath of all of that, and we certainly give praise to God above all else for his hand of protection upon Les in, in the midst of all of that. And I also want to say thank you to those of you that are in those communities that uh, saw that post come out and uh, offered up your prayer. We had people praying all over the place, and I certainly believe that played a role in in a positive outcome as well. And uh, one last thing I'll share with that, and then hopefully by next week's episode, Les will be back in the studio with us and and, uh, back at it. Uh, He is at home, by the way, today. He was only in the hospital for a brief period of time. One of the things that I think also contributed to a really good outcome here, in addition to God's hand of protection, is simply the fact that Les recognized the signs and symptoms early of what was going on and got himself uh, to the hospital to help. And I commended him for that because one thing that happens a lot in that world of emergency medicine that we see with people in general, and I'll say men specifically, is we hesitate when we see and notice something's not right in my body. You know, I'm feeling something. We dismiss it. We deny it. We push it away. Like, I'm not going to the doctor. I'm not going to the hospital. And, um, and in that waiting, things can get a lot worse. And so I'm grateful that not only Les recognized that something was off, but he took immediate action and got himself in and got some early treatment that probably played a big part in a positive outcome with that as well. So anyway, thank you for those of you that have been praying, and uh, we're grateful that uh, Les is doing well at home, recovering, and hopefully we'll have him back on the show soon. You'll probably hear him in this interview that is coming up because it's a pre-recorded interview. So it's this show is not totally less free. Um, but anyway, I want to tell you about today's episode before we cut to the interview. Uh, we're titling this episode Hurt to Hope with Steve Wormer. This is episode number 110, and you're going to meet Steve in just a moment and uh, hear how in addition to his years in pastoral ministry, he has also now uh, running a nonprofit by that name, Hurt to Hope. And I just want to set the stage for this by saying that a lot of times uh, I make the case to this audience, to this community, that as pastors, we have honed a set of skills that are, you know, in the church world that are very transferable and needed in the the marketplace. 
and in the workspace. And one of those sets of skills is what I often call kind of the soft skills, the people skills, the things that you really can't learn in a textbook. They are learned in the the laboratory of working with people, many times difficult people, many times uh, people who have been hurt and then therefore turn around and hurt others. It's it's just part of the work that we do as pastors. We deal with some really difficult people at times in difficult situations. And if, as we do that, and as we're faithful with that calling, we then in turn develop a really healthy skill set of dealing with people in conflict and helping people with some of those more intangible areas of life, the emotional stuff, you know, helping people be emotionally healthy and strong. And um, that's really right up the alley of where Steve is doing his work with his nonprofit, Hurt to Hope. Uh, You'll hear that specifically they're focusing on churches and working with pastors. And certainly we could say a lot about, you know, how pastors are hurt in ministry. And again, we deal with people who are bringing hurts to us. And, um, And so Steve's nonprofit is primarily focusing on that. But I want you to listen not only with that lens, but also that lens of how could this skill set be used out in the marketplace, whether that's running workshops in a corporate setting or working you know, with different companies and their employees and helping them handle some of these things or a one-on-one coaching relationship. Like, What would it look like for pastors to take this skill set and package it in a way that the marketplace um, would respond and say, man, we need someone like that to come along and do that. Or maybe it's you doing something very similar to what Steve is doing through, you know, um, through some kind of a nonprofit. So anyway, uh, this will be a really good conversation. We're excited to share it with you. Without any further ado, check out this interview we did with our friend Steve Wormer. Here we go. Well, Steve, it is my pleasure to welcome you as a guest to the Entree Pastors podcast, man. Welcome to the show. Hey, I'm thrilled to be with you guys. You guys doing all right this Monday? Man, it's all good. Yeah, Even we're having a good day. day. We're having That's a good right. day. I love Mondays. I, I know there's that thing we're not I supposed too, to love John. Mondays, but I love a new week where we get up and get to start building you, it again. See, there's one other thing that that's another reason I like you, John. It's just I keep adding to the list, man. There's lots of reasons to like me, Les. Lots of reasons. Let's be honest. Lots of reasons. But I love Mondays. Yeah. And you know what's getting ready to start up again very soon? Monday Night Football. You may not care about that, but I'm excited about it. So anyway, you a football fan, Steve? I love football. Great right. call. Who's your team? The interview may be over very quickly, depending on how you I was going to say, this might, this might not go well. I'm a Tennessee Titans fan. Oh, you're not a threat to anybody. No one cares about that, so you're fine. We're going to be just fine together, Steve. If you just said Tennessee Vol, I'd have hit. I'd have hit uh, it that, that that too, Les. Careful, careful. <laughs> you you got to draw I, the line I, somewhere. I've got some good friends down there where you're at, so I get the I get the competition. All right, well, let me rescue this interview before uh, before it just uh, falls apart entirely. <laughs> but Steve, uh, what part of the world are you in? Give us a little bit of a background as to you know how you got into pastoral ministry, and we'll go from there. Yeah, well, I live in Memphis, Tennessee. Um, been here about three years. Uh, what brought us to Memphis is where my wife and I are in the ministry, and uh, we we are n- native Tennesseans actually, but from the Nashville area uh, is where we were converted, and that was several several years ago. And then we got our feet wet by leading uh, at the time it was a house church, not far from where Les is, uh, outside of Huntsville, Alabama. We didn't have to move there because I kept my job. 
It was just an opportunity to preach and teach every week, fellowship, kind of see if this is what I wanted to do. Um, it was, grew, grew a passion for it quickly. And then we thought we would be in the Southeast where all our relationships were, Tennessee, Alabama, Georgia, et cetera, and had, had uh, solid interviews with some churches in those areas. But typical of God, he took us out of our comfort zone and we went into the full-time ministry in Springfield, Illinois, several years ago. Uh, did that for several years, enjoyed that, grew grew our faith quite a bit. Uh, we were praying about new opportunities and God brought us back to Tennessee, but to Memphis this time. Fabulous. So you are in full-time, still uh, full-time vocational pastoral ministry as we speak? Uh, so I we, we pastor a small church, uh, about 60 in Memphis, uh, not including the kids. And I'm the only full-time employee. Oh. And uh, my wife is the women's ministry leader in a, in a part-time capacity. Gotcha. Well, and so that would put you squarely in the very normative range for what pastoring looks like in our world today, you know, leading a church that's well under 100. And if the church is fortunate enough to have staff at all, it's usually just one person. And so, you know, welcome to the very normative club, man. Uh, you you represent a, probably a large percentage of our audience with those types of uh, statistics. And that's not all you do. Like so many of the guests, pretty much all the guests that we have on the show, they have something else that they're building on the side, whether it's in the it's in the marketplace, whether it's a for-profit business or a non-profit. And, you know, we see all of it as ministry, no matter who they're serving. So let's talk a little bit about that journey. What is it that you're a part of? What is it that you're building? And we'll start unpacking it from there. I'm the first person this year that's called me normal. So I appreciate that. I said normative. Um, <laughs> normative was exactly, we can play true. back the tape if we need to. So <laughs> that's true. Um, so what you're alluding to that I'm involved with is a nonprofit organization that's called Caring Resources. However, by my screen, you'll say, well, that, that doesn't say Caring Resources. Our bread and butter program is called Hurt to Hope. And you see that it, that it stands for Helping Overcome Painful Experiences. Uh, we provide workshops that are obviously Christ-centered. Uh, they typically last 10 hours over usually a Friday night in an all-day Saturday format, it can it can be easily modified to to fit the need of whoever needs it, but it's typically done Friday and Saturday night, both in person and virtually. Like everybody else, had to learn how to do it virtually in 2020. Mm -hmm. um, and those workshops, what I say is, it's for people, and, and I think you'll agree when I say this. This is for all eight billion people on the, on planet Earth with unprocessed emotions. It can be grief, it can be um, relationship challenges, bitterness, unforgiveness, uh, just having problems dealing with a, a disappointment in life, like maybe in passed over for a promotion or something like that. But it's all in that genre, all, all of its emotions that haven't been processed in a, un, uh, excuse me, in a healthy way. And so we teach you how to do that and then give you some skills practically to go along with the faith-based lessons to uh, carry those tools into, you know, Jesus said, you will have trouble. So life keeps coming at us mm -hmm. and we want to give you the tools for when life keeps happening to deal with it in a healthy way. So, so from a, from a, a faith-based perspective, um, these workshops have a lot of teachings from Paul, Job and Joseph specifically. Okay. 
who's the who's kind of your ideal audience member for these workshops? I mean, obviously people with hurt, which that opens you up again to eight billion people in the world who've had you know painful things in their life. But is there a kind of a target audience of who seems to be most attracted to, or that you're maybe pursuing most for these workshops? I would say historically there has not been a target audience. Um, now moving forward. Uh, as my wife and I have gotten more involved with the organization, um, we are wanting to get more involved specifically with ministers. Obviously, being a minister myself, I understand um, the loneliness of the job, the demands of the job, you know, everything that goes with that. And I, I believe there's a lot of, we'll say hurt, we can say wounded, whatever word we want to use. But I think there's a lot of wounded pastors out there mm -hmm. that could benefit from this workshop. Uh, and then we did our first workshop for an entire congregation uh, in Jacksonville, Florida last year. Um, and it was phenomenal what the Lord did with it. I mean, we had people coming up to us in between sessions in tears, like I've been holding on to this for 25 years and haven't told anybody. Mm. I've had this against this church, you know, since, since 2003 and just totally vulnerable. Of course, you know, we're coming in from the outside. We're the safe place. So you would expect some of that. But just the stories that kept pouring in, you know, weeks and even months after that workshop were phenomenal. We want to do more of those also. Um, while I'm in this, you know, current role of wearing two hats, so to speak, um, you know, it, it limits my time to be able to focus on, on, on you know, expanding the program. But that is that is the initial vision is to reach uh, ministers and more churches with the program. You're saying like someday down the road when we, the two hats you're referring to are leading a church and then also leading the nonprofit. And so way down the road, maybe there's an opportunity where you're able to focus just more on the one. Is that kind of what you're alluding to there? I would say I'm definitely alluding to that. And, and it's probably not even way down the road. John, um, I'll give you one example. Uh, we have a denomination in Illinois that has retained our services to do a uh, workshop for ministers uh, in April of 2024. So we're, we're Zooming with them every month to put the details together, save the date, you know, flyers, things like that, to start promoting it uh, well in advance to give their ministers time to save the date. Yeah. There, there you go. Well, and here's something too, Steve, that I know kind of about your backstory, but maybe I'll ask you just to speak to this. This is not an organization that you founded, correct? This was in operation, but you're coming alongside and really leading it to to new levels. Is that something you can speak to? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Caring Resources was found by two wonderful ladies uh, back in the, the late 90s. I don't think we have time to go into to the whole backstory of how that was done, sure. but uh, my wife and I got involved pretty heavily in 2017. She had been through it. Um, both my mom and her mom died in 2006 within three months of each other. And so Rebecca being uh, the more emotionally stable and spiritually sound person in 2006, she said, I got to get some help for this loss. And she went and took one of these workshops, her to hope workshops at our home church in Nashville at the time and just raved about all that she learned from it and how it helped her. 
Of course, I was the typical guy, you know, pull myself up by the bootstraps. I'll be okay. Just stick to my work. And what happened was as more years rolled by, I was like, you know, I've really not dealt with this in the most healthy manner. And so I went through it in 2017. And it was when I went through it, she went back, Rebecca went back through it with me that we started developing a relationship uh, with the owners. And we just, we stuck together relationally, started talking, started praying about the future. They started giving us, you know, small responsibilities here and there to where, to where we are today, where it's been handed off to us. Very good. One question we often ask, and maybe here we can transition a little to talk about some of the business model side of this. And and again, keeping in mind, all of this is ministry. So we don't have to check one at the door to now focus on the business part of it. But a lot of times when we have someone on the show that is working in a nonprofit or launching a nonprofit, we'll often ask the question, you know, why nonprofit versus for-profit? And again, in this case, this was already established and, and you're coming on board and there's a lot of times there's very valid reasons for why we're doing this particular thing as a nonprofit versus a for-profit entity. Um, but maybe I'll ask you to speak to that a little bit. Again, keep in mind the majority of our audience are pastors who, you know, quite frankly, are sick and tired of being broke and would desire to to have another stream of revenue. And um, and so some might be tempted to hear, well, in a nonprofit, there's no profit to be made or there's no money to be made in a nonprofit. But there is a, a business model to that. You can uh, you know, create some income for yourself through that. So do you mind speaking to that part of it? Like how has this um, nonprofit, you know, how has this checked that box in terms of being an additional stream of revenue that's added to you and your family's bottom line? Great question. Um, I'll, I'll work it somewhat backwards. It, it has not added income to me directly quite yet. Okay. Um, so from a nonprofit perspective, you're right. I'm inheriting it. So we, we want to stay in compliance with what's already been done. Mm -hmm. um, I will speak to the potential for additional income, though, is still a great possibility within a nonprofit. And I'll give you an example. Uh, we retained a grant writer back over the holidays. And obviously it takes some time to develop grant plans, apply for these things, et cetera, et cetera. Well, we're, we're on the cusp of seeing the fruit of that. I mean, I just got off the phone with our grant writer about an hour ago. And I know for, for a fact that we have our first two grants coming in the mail later this week. And mm -hmm. I know a third organization that is wanting to see the approval letters of those first two, and they're ready to send out a check. Mm. So, so what I can tell you is the, the small nonprofit that's, and I don't think I've mentioned this, it's never had a need to monetize, now has a need to monetize. We have a budget that's significant. Um, and far as income for me, which is what you guys are all about, the, you know, the side businesses that ministers can create additional income, uh, it's going to be significant mm -hmm. to me. I'm, I'm like you said, just church of 60, less than a hundred. I'm the only full-time staff. It's all those things. So it wouldn't surprise you if I told you, and I'm not, I'm not trying to say this as a complaint, but it wouldn't surprise you to hear me say, Hey, what I make is not market value. Mm. It's well below. Uh, we're doing okay but could be doing a lot better. We're, we're grateful for what we have, but we're, we're, we're struggling too. Mm -hmm. And the nonprofit's going to take my family eventually when, when the ideal budget is met. 
when, when you're dealing with a nonprofit that has grants coming and going, your budget really has to be able to expand and contract all the time. But when it gets where it's supposed to be, it's going to be a significant boost to my family's income. There you go. Well, I love that, man. I'm grateful that that's uh, part of the story that's being written there. And, um, and again, for some listening, that may be encouragement as a path forward to see hope in that, you know, like for the, for their own story of what that could look like. What, here's a question for you. Something that is not uncommon that we see pastors struggling with when they either think about launching something or even as they're starting to do something in addition to their pastoring is, uh, it's mindset stuff. It's guilt. It's, it's uh, a lot of times even self-imposed talk, you know, that, uh, I don't know if you should be doing that. You know, are you really giving your best as a pastor now because you're you're also building this thing over here? Like, did you bump into any of those mental hurdles? And if so, how did you overcome those? Or even did you have like direct voices of other people saying, hey, we don't think we like it that you're building this thing over here or part of that? Or has that been largely well supported? Like, what are some of the things you've bumped into and how did you get through that as you've been involved in two different things? I think most people are supportive or supportive slash if they did have something uh, that they oppose to it, they don't speak up to it. Um, I will say I did early on find that there was some guilt I had associated with it. Um, I think through prayer and talking to people much wiser than myself, that I like, you know what? This is a calling too. It's not. It's not less than. Mm. It's also ministry. Ministry can be done in many, many ways, and uh, we can be called to many different forms of ministry uh, over our lifetime. And so, the more obvious that calling became, the 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 guilt subsided. Now, I did experience, uh, without going into too much detail, I did. Uh, have someone confront me on a, a former church member uh, that confronted me about my time and how I was using it. And, you know, you, you seem to have other interests. And uh, it was right about the time the book was going to be released, which I had the blessings of my leadership team and other people and all, things of that nature. Uh, but this person was was just to be candid with you, downright ugly about it. And I listened to it for quite a while. Uh, and then at the end, you know, we we agreed to disagree and I tried to help them a little bit. But, you know, I, I got off that call and it bothered me the place that they were in, because I thought about what Paul said in Romans. We're supposed to. And, and this is really what the nonprofit is is based on, is we're supposed to rejoice with those that are rejoicing and weep with those that are weeping. And here's God doing something really special in my life. Or, I mean, it's important to me, right? And this person wasn't rejoicing with me. Mm. They were finding fault. And I was like, you know, really? Is this my issue or is it their issue? And I and I left saying, you know what? I need to pray for this person. There's 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 more going on here that they can't be happy for my success. So Man, that's, that's weird. That's Les, he, he had someone that. in his church that was ugly and didn't like what they were doing. That's weird. I've never heard of that. You must be the only one. I've never heard that story from You're any unicorn, church. Steve. Yeah. You're unicorn, I take back my normative statement. You are not normative. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's good. No, man. Well, again, sometimes those voices are, you know, from the outside, but 
like you alluded to, a lot of times they're self-imposed, those limitations we place on ourselves. It's just the, the fear of what the perception might be or the fear of someone speaking up and saying that is enough in many cases to keep us from ever starting or ever, you know, reaching for more and pushing through some of that discomfort. So good job on that. And yeah, it's not to say you won't have to face down the occasional Gladys, as I like to call them. Gladys is my church name for Karen. So I'm going to try to get that more mainstream. But. <laughs> well, like and, you know, good, good for you for pushing, not only pushing, I was going to say just pushing through it, but it's more than that. You, you had the, the, um, the relationship with the Lord that was day to day enough that you you sound like as if you were in a good place with Him, and you you felt like you had His favor in what you were doing and why you were doing it, and uh, all of those reasons are kind of what gets you through, you know, because there are gonna, you know, Jesus said, "Woe to you when all men praise you." And I heard somebody say one one time that when you're doing what he's called you to do and people are critical, congratulations, you've got the wool off your back. I like it. <laughs> you got yeah. the wool off your back. So um, you know, good good for you. And but I know that you did it in a you can you can do that in a firm but in a pastoral way, kind of like a almost like a, a dad to a young man son sometimes that you need to have have oh. a talk, heart to heart. And um God will honor that. And it sounds like that's what happened in your case. It probably won't be the last time, you know, but no. uh, yeah, that that's a, that's a valuable lesson there. Yeah. yeah. Steve, you mentioned a book a minute ago. Tell us more about that. So it's, it's a, I have to give you a little backstory. So my wife and I, let me give you the cliff notes version of this. We had, we were married in 1996 and uh wonderful woman you know 20 what is that 27 years i'm gonna get in trouble for i can't do my math but 20 it is years. and the only reason i know that is i was married in 96 and we've got our 27 year anniversary coming up so yes it's not because i'm good at math <laughs> thank you for helping me out brother um so we had several miscarriages mm. we had um five miscarriages uh we were not christians when we were married that came several years later and after becoming Christians, we started praying about adoption. And long story short, we, we had a very, very intense first adoption fall through. But we had five more after that wow. fall through. So I always say five miscarriages, six failed adoptions. They're not really failed. They just weren't God's will. We know that. But then God gave us three children all at once. I kid you not. Hmm. Uh, we, we took two, my two older children are full-blooded siblings, uh, from, from the foster care system in Tennessee that were being watched by a family that we were friends with in the church. And then another situation, a, a newborn, uh, was from somebody in the church that we knew that we knew they were kind of 50, 50, whether they were going to try to parent or not. And they tried, and then they decided to, to call us and see if we would wow. adopt. So all I've been saying, I mean, God brought three into our home. Obviously, there's more to it than that, but three in our home at one time. And then it was the next weekend that we were approached by one of the elders in our home church in Nashville saying, do you guys want to go to Huntsville once a week and preach and teach and get your feet wet in the ministry? So it's like, you know, it's kind of like wow. you wait and you wait and you wait and you pray and pray and pray. But once God moves, he, he moves. Right. So the book really was a formation of the intensity and the faithfulness of God 
through the adoption story. So I, you know, I started an outline on the adoption story uh, and some other amazing things about going into the ministry. This is going back to like 2011. And I shelved the thing. You know, I got busy raising those three kids, busy full-time ministry, you know, being a husband, a dad, et cetera, et cetera. And I have a coach now um, that he he knew what I just told you. And he would nudge me once in a while. He's like, hey, when are you going to write that book? And I would always push back on him. Like, I'm not paying you to talk to bring up the book, you know, <laughs> and we'd go on and talk about something else. In March of last year, he said, you know, how about that book? And he hadn't brought it up in a while. And we went on to, to talk about whatever we were going to talk about coaching wise that day. And I got off the phone with him and it bothered me. I was like, you know what? I'm tired of him and asking me. <laughs> and I sat down and wrote that book in three weeks. Wow. And um, now I, I had a lot to learn about how to write, how to find a good editor, how to find a good publisher, all that stuff. And, and to be honest with you guys, the book really was a public Thank you to God. I just wanted people to know what God did with my life and say thank you. And that's what the book was. It it It's still mostly that. The very last chapter gets into gratitude, which is one of the segments we teach in Hurt to Hope. So there is a little bit of a segue there. Uh, and that gratitude chapter became eventually a part of that became an ebook that I did a couple months later. Um, so that's how the, the book started. It's called Rivers of Hope. Cool. What were some of the lessons you learned just from a book writing standpoint? Not so much about the content of the story, but just if there's pastors listening to this going, because I believe most pastors have a book in them, if not multiple books. So what were some of the takeaways you have from having your first book? Is that your first book that you've published, by the way? It was. So yeah. what, what are some takeaways from being now a published author? Um, I think you'll hear this quite a bit from other people, and I can confirm, uh, especially with pastors being as busy as we are, just just write. Don't worry about it being perfect. Uh, don't worry about it flowing great. Just get it off your mind or off your heart onto paper. And being busy, you know, pa most pastors are pretty disciplined. F find the time. Make the time. I, I know in my schedule, uh, I've got I've got an hour and a half time slot Monday through Friday to go to the gym, and I treat that like an appointment. That's for my my physical health, but it's also for my my emotional health, right? Self care, mm -hmm. and I don't feel guilty at all saying I've got an appointment from ten to eleven thirty on Wednesday because that that's what I'm doing it for. I think writing's the same thing, right? I'm going to write from four to five thirty in the afternoon, whatever works. I had to have that same discipline going into that, that new endeavor. Yeah. Good. Good. You know, by the way, just a little side note, I feel the same way. And this is just John's opinion. I didn't read it in the Bible this morning. So take it for what it's worth. But, uh, I feel the same toward anything that we prioritize in our life, including, a, a side hustle for a pastor or, cause again, if it's true that it's all ministry and you set some time aside on your calendar to say, this is when I'm, you know, on this sales call or I'm recording my podcast or I'm writing my book or whatever it is, it's no different in my opinion than if someone walks in off the street and wants to, you know, talk to the pastor about something like the pastor's doing ministry, whether it's, you know, directly related to the, you know, institutional organizational role of that church or not, it's still ministry. So again, let's just take it for what it's worth. But if there's pastors needing that permission, you you're getting it from me. So 
schedule that hey, time. Donna, yeah, go ahead. I had a question for Stephen. It had, had to do with uh, the person you referred to a minute ago as your coach. So like these other things, you feel free to share whatever you want or don't, you know, but one of the things that we really, for lack of a better word, preach to people is because we've experienced it as well as mm. the need to have people that can speak some things that they see into your life. So is this someone that was specifically helping you in the writing world or was it just kind of over, were there other categories that you gave permission to speak into your life as well? And how, how long have you been doing that and what's that mean to you? Mm -hmm. Great question, Liz. Um, I guess it was about four years ago. I had an appointment with another pastor from another church in Springfield. We were kind of studying out some similar uh, material. Actually, he was pretty ahead of me in it, and he was trying to, to um, expose me to some of this new material he was reading. So we were meeting up for coffee at Starbucks. And he introduced me to a friend of his, um, and we, we exchanged cards. And we connected, and this guy was an executive director of a nonprofit in Springfield. Uh, at the time, but he also did, he was trying to expand his coaching uh, business. And so he, he's, he happens to be a, um, I'm not trying to plug anybody, um, but he's, he's one of the national, uh, a well-known figures, speaker, coacher technique is what he studies. And anyway, we became friends fairly quickly, but he became a coach of mine and it started, actually, I just wanted to figure out some ways to make an additional revenue mm -hmm. <laughs> as a pastor. Mm -hmm. um, but I wanted to do it with something I really enjoyed. And we, we, we did coaching there for about a year in person before I got the call to move to the church I lead now in Memphis. But I kept the relationship and we still do coaching uh, twice a month on Zoom. Uh, he's become a good friend, like I said. He's also, because of the training he's he's received um, from this method of coaching and speaking, he's also done some specific training uh, for the nonprofit that we've been talking about. So he's really become quite a, uh, um, an asset, both personally and yeah. professionally. And I can I can say, definitely looking back in the four years, um, I really never knew what a professional coach could do for you. Uh, you kind of think they're the expert in things and all that. But since that time, I've learned they're really somebody that listens good and asks a lot of good follow-up questions and holds you accountable to your next action steps. I have since become a coach. I don't have a lot of time to devote to that uh, these days. But it, it's been night and day, um, the results I've seen since having since having him in my life, for sure. Yep. Yep. Game changer, man. Just getting that. And everybody needs a coach. Even coaches need a coach. So... Um, yeah, good stuff. Good question, Les. Hey, I've got one other thing, uh, Steve, before I ask how people can connect with you, and that is this. If there's pastors listening to this, this is a question that you can answer from two filters. One is, I want to focus on your like your workshops that you might potentially bring to a church. So first of all, if there's a pastor listening to this, go, man, my people need that, or I'd love to offer that to my community. How do they get signed up for that, and what would you say to that pastor and then also from a, again, from a business model, like what does that look like for you? If, if, you know, if you get hired by a church or contracted with a church or a group in a community that says, Hey, we want to bring one of your workshops, you know, what does that look like for you from a business standpoint to add income and revenue in this case to the nonprofit? I recognize all that doesn't directly go to you, 
but uh, speak to that if you don't mind. Yeah, absolutely. Um, should I put something in the chat box or should I say it out loud in terms of where they can find me? Yeah, say it out loud. We'll put it in the show notes to the podcast episode if for whatever links you want. Okay. So, so if a minister is listening to this, um, I would encourage them to go to www. This is all lowercase hurt, the word hurt, H-U-R-T, the number two, and then the word hope, hurt to hope.org. Um, you will find on that page YouTube testimonials. You'll find um, what we're about. You'll also find a minister's tab and a church tab if you want more specific information about those two things. Um, I, I, I'm of the belief the more I do this, that I'll give you an example. So the church we did in Florida last year, a good friend of mine that's a minister, he's been hearing me talk about it for years. Um, he, he used to be in California and he was going to bring us out there to do a workshop. And then, he, then God pulled him to, uh, to Florida. And I remember something he said specifically. He said, I thought I was bringing this for my congregation. And he was. He said, I didn't know how bad I needed it personal. Oh, sure. And I think that's important because I think ministers are so busy. And, and also, you know, it's it's not one of those things like, you know, if you got tickets to, to the Super Bowl or go do some real healing internal work, you know, which one are you going to pick? Yes. And what I'm saying is, you know, it needs to be done, but you're not always excited to do the hard work, right? Mm -hmm. So we want to we want to make it easier for ministers to do it. And so if ministers go through it themselves, then I think they'll see the value in taking their congregation through it. So all that information's on there. Um, we actually have a workshop scheduled uh, for anybody that wants to go through it. I think it's the 25th and 26th of this month, which is less than two weeks away. Uh, and then our next one's scheduled in November. But we we will. Um, Fill out the form. We'll talk to you about how to bring a workshop to you or your church or both. Um, there was another question you had in that. Just the business of side of it. Yeah. Kind of what does that look like for you from a financial standpoint if you get contracted to go do one of these workshops in a location? Yeah. Great, great question. Lots of flexibility there. So remember I was talking about grants earlier. Mm -hmm. So how, how that would work for me specifically is if, if the grants – or when the grants come in, I will I will receive compensation, uh, a chunk of that through the grants. Um, and so if I go to do a workshop, then I'm not getting any of that money. Mm. However, if a workshop is scheduled, let's say let's say a minister calls me in two weeks and wants to do a workshop and we get it scheduled. I would get a percentage of that revenue if I'm not receiving my salary yet. So I don't know if that's complicated. There is there is a model where the organization would get a percentage. My wife and I would get a percentage. Um, anybody that I contract with to help me pull off the workshop, they would get like a contractor's fee, sure. plus, you know, for lack of a better title. Uh, so there are some flexibilities there. You didn't ask this, John, but I'll also throw in um, there, there's several ways to get this. If you're if you're a church that's small, like a lot of them are. Um, we do have scholarships. Uh, we can be, you know, we can negotiate what the price is going to be. Maybe it's a situation where, where we can meet in the middle. Um, you can also do a pass down to, to, you, you can either pass it down to those that choose to participate in it, 
uh, or a partial part down to help uh, minimize, you know, the cost for for the ministry itself. Because I know most churches don't actually have it in the budget at the beginning of the year to have this in there. Yeah. Yeah, well, that makes sense, man. That's good stuff. Les, anything else you got before we wrap up here today? Well, thank you for the work that you're doing and the example that you are, Steve. I mean, not only internally, it, it would be plenty if if um, if you were just doing one of the things that you mentioned, but the fact that you're leading a local fellowship, leading a growing family that includes some children whose future would have looked completely different had not the Lord led you and your wife to step in and um, and welcome them into your family and, and become your family, you know, uh, that's just awesome. And then your your um, the other organization that you're a part of building it's uh, it's just awesome. And you're man, I, I hope that you will continue to lean into our community. Thank you for being willing to come on our podcast because you and and people that are in your tribe are why we do this. And yeah. so uh, it's, it's great to get to know you and and learn a little bit about about what you're doing. Guys, keep doing what you're doing. It, it's so needed what you guys are, are doing. And uh, I just want to encourage you to keep up the great work. It's helping a lot of people. We need you. All right. Thank you, Steve, man. It's been fun hanging out with you. All the best as you continue to serve God and serve others through the various ways that you're doing that, man. God bless. Well, there you go. Good stuff from Steve Wormer. Guys, hopefully you found that conversation encouraging. And again, as I said at the beginning of the show, maybe you see some ways that you can use some of those uh, skill sets that you've been developing, uh, whether you wanted to develop them or not over your years and time in pastoral ministry, how you can use that out in the marketplace and uh, serve other people and generate some additional streams of revenue for you and your family. We'd love to hear you know, what your thoughts, what your ideas are. Also, here's something else I want to share just as a call to action from time to time. We want to mention this to our community. This maybe isn't relevant for everybody, but I believe that many pastors have a book in them, maybe multiple books. And uh, I think that pastors, a, a natural thing for many pastors is writing a book as as part of a bigger platform of speaking, coaching, teaching, courses, whatever the case may be. And uh, we would love to hear your idea for a book. To be very transparent, we have some resources to help pastors get published with a uh, real publisher, Morgan James Publishing. We have an imprint of Morgan James Publishing. It's called Entree Pastors Press. And we've already got a few authors in the pipeline, and we're looking for more. And uh, also, we just want to be a resource for pastors, even if you're like, look, I don't care to have a publisher. I'm, I'm planning on self-publishing my book. That's fine, too. Uh, we have no problems with that at all, and we can help you do that. We've, we can help kind of encourage you along the way. So if you are a pastor that you're like, man, I think I have a book. I've always wanted to write a book. I have a transcript I've you know filed away, and it's there. Wherever you may be in that journey, uh, here's a, a resource I want to share with you. If you go to entrepastors.com forward slash book, all that you'll find there is the ability to share your idea with us. We've got a little form for you to fill out and uh, submit to us. And then Les is the guy that really handles all things Entree Pastors Press for us. And he'll reach out and uh, set up a time to have a conversation with you about what it would look like to move that book further down the field and actually get it published and out into the hands of people. 
And maybe that's part of your bigger picture of building some additional streams of revenue for your family as you monetize a message around, you know, a book that you've been working on for a while. So anyway, as I said, that's maybe not for everybody, but it's definitely for some of you. Go share your book idea with us and let's see what we can do to work together and get that thing out into the world. So that's what we've got for you this week. I want to say, guys, thank you so much for taking the time to be a part of this community. I love each and every one of you. I'm grateful for you. And uh, it is our pleasure to serve you every single week by creating content that hopefully is encouraging and inspiring. We want to help you do, by, do better financially. We want to help you achieve financial freedom and the ability to really minister and serve as God would have you to without that constant ongoing pressure of finances and the lack thereof. And so whatever we can do to be of assistance to you along that path, please don't hesitate to shoot us a message, reach out to myself, to Les, and let us know how we can be of service to you. One final thing I'll ask just as a request, if you would please share this content with other people, if you find it valuable and uh, if it served you well, we would be so honored if you would share it with other people in your world and in your network whether that's by sending them a direct link to an episode, inviting them to be a part of the Facebook community, you know, whatever, introducing them via email to me unless whatever way you feel is best to bring people into this community, we'd be so grateful for that. So thank you guys. God bless. Take care. We will see you all on the next episode.